What's up, everybody? It's another edition of Free Association on the Sportsnet Podcast Network. I'm J.D. Bunkus. He's Donovan Bennett. How are we doing on this lovely, while we're recording Monday, Mr. Bennett? Yeah, so far so good. I uh, I can't complain. I was talking to somebody earlier today, uh, you know, about the how are you doing, how, how are things, whatever, and I feel like we're all uh, answering that question, basically grading on a curve these days. So yeah. I, I certainly cannot complain because if i uh had to count my blessings i would be counting for a while um so i'm good on this monday yeah me too i'm feeling okay although i will admit that i have the uh spoiled problem of spoiled problems which is i have to go back to work in the city that i'm employed in uh i've been gone for as of two days ago i think a month i I left the city i've grown accustomed to country life as i was saying that it was suiting me pretty well that i was enjoying you know going out on the water and visiting with family and doing a barbecue every second night and now it's like all right time to go back time to hit the couch time to do 12 hours a day of just blue jays raptors uh maple leafs nhl playoffs stanley cup playoffs nba playoffs major league baseball games that matter on sundays and UFC cards and golf tournaments, it's its going to be pretty overwhelming moving back here. This is going to be intense for you too with just your family obligations. Uh, do you have do you have like a, a hierarchy? You don't even have to say on the show, but of just kind of how you're going to allot your days and, and what you're going to kind of be most excited about and most curious about when it comes to the sports landscape? Do I have a hierarchy? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think basketball would be at the top. Sure. I, I'm I'm fascinated by this upcoming period. Sid was doing the math in the first weekend that sports is back, not including the MLS. So just sports that are returning that weekend. There are 71 live events that Whoa. weekend. Um, in the in the major sports, right? We're not yeah. going like too hard, like at some random European no. golf championship or some F1 race. Like just no longer marble racing. Sports. Marble racing's off the table now. Yeah, that's gone. Um, yeah, so I, I'm fascinated for this period for this reason. We've never really had the entire buffet menu at the same time as an option, right? We always had to eat whatever was in season. And so now you've got baseball starting, basketball in the bubble coming back, NHL with their two hub cities, the MLS's back tournament, football theoretically on the horizon but let's for the sake of this assume that football is coming back got some like camp battles and who's going to be the tight end for the vikings or some garbage (laughs) what what rises to the top in terms of what do people care about first what is the a1 thing in the newspaper what is the lead block and a tv show and at the same time all these leagues know that they're competing against the rivals all at the same time. So if you're a broadcaster, if you're a league, what are you doing to make your content stand out? What are you doing to make the way that you have reimagined telling sports stories with no fans and stands more interesting? What are the camera angles? What are the new types of technology, the new, the new culture around the sport? Uh, that's the part of this restart that I am anticipating the most. Yeah, I, I'm fascinated to see how this all plays out. I know that much like you called it a sports buffet, and I think that's the perfect analogy. And just like myself at a buffet, I'm going to gorge on everything. 
That's what I do. I go up to the food trough and I go, ooh, I'm going to load up one big plate full of everything and be the disgusting person. I don't care if food touches. I don't care if it's on top. If I have to dig through a flavor to get to the next thing, that's how I'm going to be with sports. And I can't wait. I can't wait for a baseball season that is going to be super weird, but also is going to be 60 games condensed so that every game is actually going to be mattering and feels a little bit more playoff baseball style. I can't wait for NBA basketball where you take out home court advantage and you have a bunch of guys who are in incredible shape with no ramp up. And we get to see how much chemistry matters and how much best on best matters and what basically a new regular season looks like, but being amplified into seven games. I can't wait for this NHL format where we have 24 teams all in this thing right at the very beginning and going from scrimmages against your teammates to basically best of five series overnight. It's just awesome. Like I'm, I'm just so excited that we're here. It's really damping down my depression about leaving um, the beautiful Ottawa Valley and heading back to the concrete jungle where I have no outdoor space and uh, live in a smaller apartment in the city, but uh, it doesn't matter because I'll be watching TV. So um you're talking about news and, and headlines. Here's what will not be a headline when we have sports in two weeks. Drake giving the Raptors candles. And I'm fascinated by this because, okay, hear me out. It's Drake. He's unbelievably wealthy. He doesn't owe the Raptors anything. But candles seem like a weird move to give to a friend of yours. Would you not agree? Like, is Drake, this is my question for you. Is Drake so out of touch with reality that he's just become the rich, wealthy guy that gives people weird gifts and that you kind of look at like, thanks, but what is this for? Not at all. Uh, one, <laughs> I mean, he didn't just give the Raptors candles. He gave every celebrity he has in, in his orbit candles, and they all reposted them on their stories. Uh, two, why? Because he's got his own candle line. That's why. <laughs> Drake had to get giving, into the candle business, eh? He's, he's like, he's going, records, he's, not enough. Clothing, not enough. Candles, that's where I want to be. I want to be uh, competing with home sense. Listen, I've given candles as a gift before. To women? A great gift. No, to... Yes. To, I've given my brother's candles. <laughs> no, you haven't. I gave my brother... I, I mean, uh, you, could call, you could call him. You could get him on, on the line if you, yes. if you need. Yes, Michael, get him on the line. I want him unsolicited. I want him to say to me that you got uh, gave him a candle as a present. I want that. Get Listen, him on the line. The, the, uh, the, the millennial man has a nice smelling pad. You can't just <laughs> bring people through your house and it smelling... Like, like day old dust. Like you need yeah. to have an ambiance around what you're doing, and and it's not just the the smell of the candle, the look, the aesthetic of a candle. Like a nice, sleek, dark, masculine candle is a, is a great look. So uh, yes, I I have candles. Yes, I've given my brothers candles, and actually, uh, this reminds me, I've put people onto my candle guy. I've put Faisal no. onto my candle guy because <laughs> yes. Faisal needed needed some candles. I love it. So I I hooked him up, and I love it. I, I'm telling you, candles is the is the is the new flex. Uh, Isaac number twelve eighty nine is the candle line that I uh, that I'm loyal to for for the associates that need to get their candle game up. I'm so impressed. I am completely blown away. I have one candle in my place, and it's in my bathroom. And it's there for a very, very specific reason. And I think you can draw the connection. But it's like, I got it on Amazon. It was surprisingly expensive. And I 
I don't know. I, I would say that it's a four company candle. I have never been gifted a candle by a man. I would never consider getting a gift of a candle for a man. Um, I think that even for women, generally, it's kind of one of those layup gifts where if you're last minute Christmas shopping and you don't really know what to get your girlfriend or your mom, that you just go panic and you walk into fancy candle stores and end up buying $26 candles and go, this is fine. This is good. All, all girls like candles. They really want candles. And then, yeah, okay, sure. They burn them. But is that really what they wanted? Did they really have their heart set on a candle? Maybe I'm out of the, I'm out of the loop here. I'm not as trendy as you. I don't know about what was the candle line again? Say that one more time. What was what candle line? I thought you said the candle line that you're loyal to. Isaac something. Oh, yeah. Isaac number 1289 at Isaac N O 1289 on IG. Yeah. Michael, please do me a favor and Google that for me and let us know what the price is that Donovan Bennett is rolling with on candles. This guy is like, like was crying foul last week about not being able to take vacation time. I swear, those candles got to be big time expensive. No, I know you. You're not rolling with an inferior cheap candle. There's just no way. Like if you're going with a big candle, you're going up. You're going above $30. They're 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 $50 and Whoa! What, what price would you Do they last forever? <laughs> they, they they are natural so they do last a long time. Uh, but but what price is is too much to have a nice scent in your home? I don't think there is a price. Dude, you can get a Glade plug-in that lasts for weeks and weeks oh, and like that. Glade plug-in. Do you know yeah. how I don't want to I don't want to mess up any sponsorship money, yeah. but do you know how yeah. bad those things are for you? I Think don't know. It seemed fine by me. Like I plug one in. I also, you can just get a bottle of Febreze, three ninety nine. Shh, shh, quick spray. Ladies coming over. This place smells like a tropical breeze. A no, beautiful it smells place. like for no. It smells <laughs> like Febreze. This yeah, it smells it like smells laundry. Like. It smells like good clean laundry. Or you Amen. know what else? You know what else? Here's a trick. Here's a trick. Single guy trick. You know, you don't wash your sheets, but you just take a dryer sheet and you just rub it all over your pillows. You're you just cut. rub them all over You're your cut. pillows cut, before Jamie. somebody comes over. Shush, 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 Rub it. It's like, oh, do you just do laundry? Like, yeah, that's what I do. I just did laundry. I'm a fancy guy like that. I didn't need a, a $50 candle. <laughs> My God. You're you're telling you're telling on yourself, man. You're yeah. telling on yourself. That's bad. I, by I don't the way, know what Donovan, kinda... real quick. By the way, Donovan, real quick. What's yes. the uh, <laughs> what's the go to Big Dotty three scent? Like, what is your yeah. go to smell? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, yeah, I I, I rotate because you know, different seasons. Of course, because fifty dollars uh, of the candle is not enough for you. You you got to have multiple fifty dollar candles. Uh, I'm a I'm a I'm a, a smoke guy. I like I like the. Uh, hmm. Free smoke is is yeah. uh, my scent. I also like vanilla smoke more in the summer. You want a little bit more of a breezy, uh, light, light smell. Uh, I I'm telling this. you, yeah. You know, you know who else who loves it? Women. Th that's yeah. who love. They do going into a place that smells not like a dryer sheet. Yeah. Or or <laughs> you don't know. two pumps of Febreze. <laughs> you don't know. Yeah, you, like. There's a reason why in Drake's songs he doesn't say "Come with me, I'll bring you some Febreze." <laughs> yeah. That's not say... that's not that's not the life that he's trying to 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 give <laughs> people of the opposite sex or of any sex, quite frankly. Um, it, it just yeah, we we have we have different priorities in life. We Here's have, what I can we have promise you: different standards. Here's what I can promise you: no girl has ever looked at me and been like, "I'm interested in that guy. 
I wonder if he's got $50 candles at home. And it's like, that's not as part of the equation. You know what? You're worrying about the wrong parts of the game. Like, that's just it. It's like, I'm focused on the things that matter. And that's just, no. you know, what I'm bringing to the table. Like, who I am as a person. Not about my material goods, about my $50 candles. Although... Can can you do me a favor? Not having your nostrils assaulted when you walk <laughs> yeah. into a space matters. Can Those I have the details that matter? Can I have the like packaging that your candles come in when they're done burning? Like, is there a wrap that I can have from you that I can wrap around one of my cheaper candles? And like a lady would come in and see that candle and say, oh boy, you have those? And I'm like, yeah, I do. I'm that kind of a guy. I'm a $50 candle guy. They last forever. Not a big deal. Uh, I mean, these candles come in in glass vases, some yeah, of which are tinted. Uh, yes, I mean the the candle that you bought would have to fit in the in the glass vase. <laughs> Here's the thing: it's just wax. I'll just Perfectly. burn something and burn it into there and put a little tip on the top. It's going to be I easy. Mean, How hard can it be to make a candle, honestly? Um, <laughs> a good one, very hard, which is why they cost fifty dollars. Yeah, man, honestly, now I know why Drake is in on the candle business. Like, this is the whole thing, mystery solved. He's like. Someone went up to Drake and they were like, hey, here's a candle, man. He said, thank you. And he saw the bill one day and he yelled at one of his assistants. He said, I told you to go get candles and you come back to me with a thousand dollar bill. And the assistant goes, Drake, I swear the candles were $50 each. They're really cool. And he went, people are charging $50 for candles, just wax, just regular wax that stinks. And we're getting $50 for those. And then immediately said, that's what we're doing. This is how we now build the empire out. This is the next big thing. Fancy candles. I didn't know. They're cool. I kind of want in on it now. I didn't realize they were so cool. They make candles an amazing are a gift. game changer, JD. Yeah, game changer. I guess I'm I'm now in the candle game. I, sometimes I'm a little slow to the trend, like, but I guess this is it. Candles are huge. Candles are the it item of 2020, the year of the pandemic, when you're in your home, stinking up your place 24 hours a day. Listen, the Raptors know. The Raptors know. <laughs> sometimes you need your room to smell like good thoughts, or Carby Musk, or a Williamsburg sleepover. Yeah, the Raptors know. Williamsburg sleepover sounds not right. It doesn't. Uh, I will say this though too. Here was my other candle thought. Last one before I move on to the next thing. Can we call him Slim Duck when he's jacked now? Like that nickname sort of seems passe. I mean, Jack the Duck doesn't really roll off the tongue in the same yeah. way. Yeah, it's not great. But might be might be time for something else. Might, why can't he just put his number as, you know what he should do? He should take the number four and just call himself CB4. I would love that. Just do that. I'm, I'm, I'm all for that, Chris Boucher. Just do it. Let the disrespect ride high. Um, quick, we've been doing a lot of serious shows. We've been focused on a lot. And... Uh, this week's kind of felt fun, and it's felt a little bit more light. Um, uh, Nick Nurse wears a box in one shirt. Norm Powell catches what can only just be described as a fish that looks fake. Like, it's so huge, and he screenshots it with the caption, and they said, I couldn't fish. What was, what was the bigger stunt on Instagram for you? Was it having the box in one clothing line that Nick Nurse just revealed last minute all of a sudden, which I'm pretty sure sold out immediately. And he said he has to restock because who in their right mind wouldn't want that shirt? Or is it Norm Powell with the fish? I mean, the Norm Powell fish photo is fake. So I'm going to say... It's fake? I'm gonna, I mean, I, I, I'm going to say yes, it's fake. Uh, you don't normally hold uh, a fish like exactly perpendicular like it's totally straight uh it, it, it the the photo as sportsnet captioned when it tweeted it 
is a bit fishy. Uh, the box in one shirt, I love, I respect, I want one. I'm not really sure whose flex it is because uh, a while ago, you know who was seen wearing some box in one clothing? Stephen no. Curry. Oh. So is it the flex of I'm so good that they played a box in one against me, so I'm wearing the gear? Or is it the flex of I created the box one in the finals and it worked. Either way, I love the shirt. I want the shirt. And I love the fact that Nurse, forget about this team issue business. I'm doing my Zoom media call with a box and one shirt on. I'm so rattled and I'm so stupid that I didn't realize that this was a fake fish and that he's obviously doing this in front of like a background CGI situation, that they're at Disneyland. And obviously this is a thing that you can do. Like, yeah, I'm feeling really dumb. I, I'm so, so embarrassed that I thought this was a real fish. I'm looking at the photo right now. Yeah, he's not holding that fish. That's How'd a fake fish. How'd you get fish. duped, man? How'd you get he's, duped like that? He's duped. You. So I'm the only one who got duped. Is <laughs> this what I'm like to believe? I that was real for half a second. I saw No one I thought just... this is real. <laughs> I'm, you know, sometimes you let your friends find out on their own that Santa Claus isn't real. Real. You don't have to be the ones to tell them. And um, I will admit, I didn't really stare at it. I was kind of like scrolling through my Instagram feed, and I liked it. And I was like, "Oh, that's cool. He caught a big fish." And he's like, "And they said I couldn't fish. Why would I think that it was fake? Why would I be led to believe this?" Now I feel like a fool. I'm kind of. I'm. Here's what I'm so happy about. I was chasing Norm Powell to try to get him on Good Show this week, and I 100% would have said. What was it like catching that fish? Would have been the very oh first question what I would of give the interview. To have that audio, and, yeah, oh and my just God. you know you're pulling it in. And here's the thing: he definitely would have like continued to go down that with me, right? There's no way that he immediately says that the fish is fake and that it was just a CGI picture. I would assume, anyways, that the joke would be him just telling me some. Moby Dick style tale of the way that he reeled this gigantuan fish in as I am the actual fish in the story. Yeah. I mean, listen, uh, we've all been duped before. It happens to the best of us. Oof. Oh, this one's tough. This is a tough pill to swallow, uh, especially as a guy who likes to fish that he thought that was a real fish. Um, I want the box in one shirt. I love that Nick Nurse brands himself. He had the Nick Nurse hats right out of the gate. I remember thinking, who the hell wants that hat? Who could ever possibly want that hat? And now um, he's described by many as the best coach in the NBA. And he's going to win coach of the year. And we'll get to that a little bit later in the show. But yeah, Nick Nurse, it's it's this Raptors team is so lovable. And I know that part of it is just winning a championship. But he just he does resonate with this fan base in a way that I don't think head coaches normally do. As much as, like, let me put it this way. I loved Dwayne Casey. I was a huge fan of his. He was a Seattle guy. The first time I met him, he learned my name. He was just very thoughtful. He uh, loved, he, he talked to me about Gary Payton. He liked the Seahawks. It was just, he was just a very interesting, kind, nice family man who has an incredible backstory. All of these things. Dwayne Casey checks all the boxes. He started the culture here. He was a part of it. He was part of the Pound the Rock. And yet, I just... Nick Nurse just has this level of cool to him, this level, this kind of aura, whether it's the guitar, that's, it's kind of like he's half in on a joke, but that he's also cool, that it really does seem to work with this fan base, that he is a coach who, like Brad Stevens can't have his own clothing line, you know what I'm saying? Even if he wins a championship, people in Boston aren't buying it unless it's made by a different company about him. Nick Nurse has ownership of his own brand like other Raptors do.
Yeah, he's the swaggiest coach in the NBA. He should be coach of the year, even though the way they're doing the year-end awards is ridiculous because they're not the year-end awards. They're the pre-pandemic awards. Mm -hmm. So before we do that, let's just talk a little bit about what uh, you guys before the show were calling Raptorville, which is, hey, man, we're talking about these things not only just because we're we follow the Toronto Raptors and we base our shows out of Toronto, but the Raptors have been one of the teams that have make, been making more noise on social media than just about any other group. Whether it's been uh, pulling up in the Black Lives Matter bus, whether it's been putting together videos for expats who are living outside of the country and living in the United States and ensuring that you know they try to do their part to make them vote, whether it's the fun stuff that's away from the court, whether it's the candles or Norm with the fish. It, it seems like the Raptors are treating this bubble scenario, I will actually say it, sort of in line with what I thought it was going to look like for them, which is they look great. They look like they're having a great team experience. I mean, as Patrick Beverly eloquently said, the bubble is what you make it. And they made it an opportunity to compete. Obviously, they're going to compete on the court. Obviously, they're going to want to keep their guys as healthy as possible. They brought their entire medical staff and left some actual coaches behind because of it. Obviously, you know, they're, they're going to want to hopefully win another championship. But before the draft, before free agency, they're competing in making it very obvious that if you give the league the same amount of resources, the same opportunity, and they're in the same place, the Raptors are going to find more ways to compete. They're going to find more ways to make their players comfortable. They're literally going to get all of the meat off the bone. And so when you walk to the into their floor, if you've seen the videos online via the, the players or, or the Raptors account, the elevators are wrapped. The, the rooms are taken care of. There's We the North signs and the skyline of Toronto and flags everywhere. When the players showed up, and I think this is the best touch, every room had photos of the players' families as they got into the room, before the players had even been in the room yet. So it, it just let the players be a little bit more comfortable at ease, but it showed them that, yeah, we're going above and beyond to make sure that this is going to be a great experience. You start from something that's small and significant for the individual players on the team like that. Something that's big and that's significant to the players across the league, like wrapping the buses and having Black Lives Matter on the buses. If you look closely to the Raptors zooms, so if you look past the box and one shirts, you'll see... Black Lives Matter is on their step and repeat that they're doing interviews uh, in front of. The signage that's behind the players and the coaches when they're on camera. That's something that would have had to be done in the last couple weeks. That's something that's not easy to put together while away from home and on the road. All of that stuff is not easy. It's not like you can just contract some company to come in and wrap the elevators in a hotel uh, on a Disney campus that is super protected. You have to use some ingenuity. And there's some people who that's not their job would have to pitch in and figure it out. But that's basically what, what the Raptors have been. In the Raptorsville video, it shows that their head of security is also their postman right now. And so it just shows that they have a level of all-in and buy-in that most franchises don't. But they have a level uh, of thinking outside the box and finding other ways to give their players an advantage that other franchises don't. And, and if I'm a player for Team X... And I'm seeing the videos come out from the Raptors players and I'm seeing what their floor looks like and what their bus looks like. And this is the stuff that we see, not the stuff that we don't see. I'm like, yeah, man, there's a reason why 
Masai is talked about all the time as executive of the year. And there's a reason why teams want to grab Bobby Webster. And there's a reason why this team is becoming an envy when they were a laughing stock is because they're intentional in what they do. Yeah. Um, to borrow the soccer term, the Raptors are their class. And you see that right now. And of course we do have it through the prism of, we see it more than say other organizations, but from my eye, and I'm paying pretty close attention to this thing, no one seems to be doing the the touches quite like the Toronto Raptors are. And, you know, this is something that we talk about frequently with this group and with Masai Ujiri, because whenever his name has come up in rumors and uh, we've had discussions about chemistry and questions about culture building, there was sort of this idea when the Raptors traded for Kawhi Leonard. And, and I, I don't mean this in terms of I wasn't a part of it, because I absolutely was. And I think that we even had this conversation that, hey, the Raptors, their identity as an organization is gone to a certain degree, that they have become this mercenary organization, that they have put aside, you know, it's hard to hang the stuff about family in the locker room when you trade a DeMar DeRozan from your franchise and you do it the way that you do it, which is that he's not pleased and he feels like he was betrayed and all of this different stuff. But we've already quickly gotten back to this point where the Raptors do feel like they have a greater camaraderie that they are taken care of differently, that there is an attention to detail from top to bottom from the most mundane thing that you can think of. And I don't mean this in an insult way, but just that, yeah, the raps, that that's not really a priority, but that the Raptors take care of it. It's an attention to detail. It's what the greats do. It's that every little thing matters and they treat it that way. And all the way to the big picture stuff, all the way to the things that matter, like you mentioned, bringing more medical personnel and making sure that their players stay healthy in this environment, making sure that they're comfortable, making sure that player development has a focus the way that it has all the way from the bottom up, making sure that when stars and players are here, that, that you know Pascal Siakam gets taken care of with his contract immediately, that he doesn't have to string it out, that these guys get their brands promoted the way that they do within the city, that they are focused on this way. And they more so than just about any other organization in North American professional sports, I think become the gold standard of just the way that you run your sports operation. And we've discussed this and it's been discussed by many people. It's a point that I think is a very good one, which is during the pandemic, during a crisis, you really see where your fault lines are. You really see where the cracks are in your organization, whether it's us with a sports media company or uh, your government or your relationship, all of those things, that if you have those fault lines, they will appear when times are tough. And the times are really tough. The Raptors are away for their families. They had a season that was really fun being interrupted. And guess what? They've come back and people are more emboldened about their chances of winning than I think they were even leading into this thing. They just don't really have those cracks. They don't really have those things that you look at and say, well, the Raptors are bad at this. I honestly, I'm trying to think about it right now. And what is the knock that you would have on the Toronto Raptors right now? Is it that they play in the country where there's no ESPN? I, like, I have no idea what it would be. They put up two Atlantic Division championship banners. That's that's it. Yeah, that's it. But but that's what I mean. They are... Who can you think of when, when we're comparing them to other organizations in terms of who has that feel in North America anyways of everything is taken care of top to bottom and everything is done perfectly and you have complete buy-in from the the highest player on your roster to the lowest player on your roster? Yeah, they, they're, I think in terms of organizations in this country, they're the gold standard. We saw no doubt in the other country 
what a mess on many levels the Washington football team to be named later is. I, I just can't imagine anything like that happening at this organization. So much so, I actually wanted to do some storytelling a couple of years ago about how many females had risen to prominence within the Raptors uh, franchise. And they're all for it. And then when the Mavericks situation happened, they pulled back only because they didn't want to dunk on the Mavericks as like how much better their current culture is than another uh, franchise. And the Ma Mavericks situation, for those who are unaware, a couple of years ago, I believe it was SI had a report on a uh, systemic issue of sexual harassment uh, within the organization and they've made some hires to clean that up since uh, and mark cuban kind of owned it speaking of um hires i would be remiss if i didn't say shout out to john wiggins who's been named vp organizational culture and inclusion for the raptors he's a canadian who's risen up the ranks and is a big part of why 905 has been such a success so shout out to john and shout out to courtney charles who has basically been like the everything for the Raptors, along with Teresa Rush, who's just taking care of a bunch of things for players and behind the scenes that no one sees. But basically the guy, and every franchise and every business has this. The person who puts out fires before they burn down the entire forest, Charles has been that guy, and he's a smiling face down at, at Scotiabank. He has been promoted to the VP uh, of basketball and franchise operations for Raptors 9 to 5. So... I respect that they found two young, hardworking dudes, saw their talent and promoted them and gave them more opportunity and resources to grow. Again, the Raptors have done an incredible job of promoting from within. They've done an incredible job as of right now, and we will continue to see so when it comes to diversity hiring and being an inclusive organization that is, yeah, probably a little bit more forward thinking than just about every other one in North America, that they would be in a position where... They would want to be humble and not want to dunk on people because they've been operating this way for quite some time. And I listen, all of this matters. All of this is part of something that is greater than sport. But I will say that just when it comes down to the sport, I would imagine that it's hard to be players around the NBA, like you were saying earlier, and not take notice of the way that Raptors, the Raptors do things. That there's some things that are out of their control, right? Like the situation where Kawhi Leonard wants to go home and play in Los Angeles that's beyond your control. There's going to be star players that end up finishing contracts at the same time and want to play together. And they have to do so in uh, markets that can clear cap for them. And that also fit, uh, fit where they want to be in terms of city life. So for example, the Kyrie Irving and, and Kevin Durant pairing, but the, the, the way that the Raptors position themselves is that in a in a world where increasingly I think people like to be treated right as employees, that people really can tell the difference, be, whether it's through social media or through word of mouth, but I think it is more social media, about the differences in the ways that they are treated by their organizations and their bosses in a competitive environment like that. I'm sorry, I can't help but think that it gives the Raptors the leg up. I can't help but feel as though if you are a part of a team that and I won't say the Mavericks, but a part of a team that does not have that culture bit in, built in and that does feel very laissez-faire and feels disorganized and does not have buy-in, does not have executives that feel like they're here for the long-term, <laughs> Knicks, and ownership that is not willing to part with all the resources you want, <laughs> Knicks, 
that you will be more inclined to look at the Toronto Raptors as a viable option and that it, there's just there's a lot of good here and it includes Sayujiri. So we've got some new things for you this NBA season. And no, it's not just Terrence Davis playing so well. We have a newsletter that will break that down and so much more. Our weekly newsletter from NBA editor Stephen Leung. It gives you original content, opinion, analysis. You can't find it anywhere else. And it is delivered directly to you right in your inbox. Sportsnet.ca slash newsletters. Just subscribe and we got you. So Sam Presti is going to win executive of the year. Okay, I get it. I totally get it. That trade was a good one. And then the Chris Paul trade ends up working out really well for Oklahoma City as well. Like you can't really deny the guy the season he had. He's one of the better executives in the NBA. But my only pushback to his thing is, okay, so you had the Clippers over a barrel and they had to give you Shea Gilgis-Alexander and... I don't know how much development that the organization did with a guy who showed up there in the summertime. And then it's Chris Paul. Like you got Chris Paul in a trade where Russell Westbrook wanted out and it was a contract swap and there was only really one place you could go. I'm not trying to diminish the moves here, but it's just, okay, you've done well by getting Chris Paul and swapping him out and getting Shea Gildas-Alexander and playing really well. They Since the start of the season, they've been incredible. They got off to that really rocky start and since then they've been one of the better teams in all of the NBA. But... I, I just look at Masai Ujiri and I'm just surprised a little bit that he doesn't get more executive of the year discussions with all the ways that the Raptors build internally. And I don't know how you credit these things all the time. And Nick Nurse is obviously a shoe in for coach of the year. I think he's going to win in a, an absolute landslide. He deserves a ton of credit and he's a big part of player development as well. But to lose Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green and... To just have guys from within your ranks, like Fred Van Vliet, take another step. A guy like Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, who you signed on the fringes for nothing, be an impact player for you. A guy like Chris Boucher, who you bring into the organization, be an impact player for you. To have all of the depth, to have Terrence Davis, a guy that you signed as an undrafted free agent, be a unqualified hit who, if we did the draft over again today, would without a doubt be a lottery pick. That all of these things just don't seem to equate to a greater discussion as though there is some type of um, debate as to it should be Presti or Masai Ujiri. The last I checked on a lot of websites, Masai Ujiri is not even in the top three when it comes to executive of the year candidates. And I don't know if that's like the LeBron effect where we just accept that, okay, LeBron is the best player in the NBA or he has been year over year over year and you just can't give LeBron executive of the year every, or sorry, um, you certainly wouldn't give him executive of the year. Usually that's not his, uh, that's not his forte but give him MVP every single season that we've kind of reached that point with Masai Ujiri that everybody knows he's the best, but that you just can't give it to him every year because you need to acknowledge other people around the league. Um, I mean, I, I honestly think that he's been farther down the pecking order in terms of where he's finished vote wise than he should be. I, I always find this award weird because some teams you give the votes to the president, others you give the votes to the GM. Like, right. how do you really make a distinction between the two? It's like, here's the guy that the media talks to the most that we think might win the award. Ultimately, this award goes to the team that hoists the championship. Like, that's the goal. 
And, you know, it's it's different in, in coaching because you may not have the pieces as, as a coach to win a championship. And so success looks different. If, if you're the GM slash president, you're the person hiring the coach. You're the person over time putting together the pieces. And so the guy who did the best job is the guy or hopefully in the future girl who puts together a team that wins the championship. Like that's the job. And so, I mean, RC Buford should have won the award way more than he's, than he's won it. Uh, Pat Riley should have probably won it more than, than he's won it. And I think Masai Jury should be higher in the, in the running and, and won it more than he has. There are outliers. Like was Bob Myers smart because Kevin Durant wanted to play with Steph Curry and Andre Godala? No, I mean, he didn't become smart, but does he get credit for, getting the team to that point and creating the culture that Kevin Durant wanted to be a part of? I mean, sure, I guess so. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not too strung up on executive of the year because I just think it, it's the job of an executive is not one that you can really measure in 365 days. Yeah, but that's my point. You look at the organization right now and say, which organization is run the best? Which Which executive, this is the way that I'd be looking at it in a way. Which executive would you want making a deal for you tomorrow? If I had to say, okay, Donovan, um, we're going to do your contract tomorrow. Like we, we need someone on your side of the aisle doing a deal for you. Who would you pick? And the answer is Masai Ujiri. <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh, well, sorry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, but okay. Let me just put it this way. I was looking at articles and looking at just different stuff to get a feel for if there was any debate about any of these awards, because my case for NBA awards is mostly that people care about NBA, like MVP. That's it. They care about rookie of the year, but every other award is completely dependent on whether or not a player on your team is, um, is, is involved. If your market is involved in the award race, like look at most improved player of the year, for example, this year, last year, Siakam won it. And it was a huge deal for Raptors fans throughout the entire season to hammer home that Siakam, Siakam, Siakam. Do you think any Raptors fans give a crap right now that Bam Adebayo is going to win most improved player of the year? Like, absolutely not. They don't care about it. Same goes for coach of the year. If your coach is in the running, you care. And I looked at executive of the year because I was curious to see if Masai Ujiri was likely to be re getting any votes. And I didn't see him brought up in anything. In fact, most of the conversation is about Sam Presti and that he is going to win. But then the runners up have been pretty much unanimously Lawrence Frank of the Clippers because he stalked Kawhi Leonard all year long, which did nothing other than kind of make his sell him look like a fool at times. And then Rob Palinka of the Lakers, who didn't really do anything like are, are we giving it that's LeBron's team LeBron is executive of the year then if anything for Rob Polinka. like I'm not giving you credit because Anthony Davis wanted to go to one team and one team only and then you gave up every single asset in your cupboard to acquire this player we all knew Anthony Davis and LeBron James would work out perfectly fine the idea that Rob Polinka is somehow a better executive this season than Masai Ujiri is asinine to me I just don't understand how people come to this conclusion and Okay, I, I realize that we only care, and you are absolutely correct, that ultimately you are proven correct by whether or not you win and what the most you do with the resources that you have at your disposal. I just, I can't believe that truly the, the executive that people believe is at very least, at the very, very least, a top three executive in the NBA, that he wouldn't be given any credit when it comes to votes and acknowledgement from his peers and from writers about the job that he's done as an executive this year. Like, yeah, he should be. And I would add to that by saying the fact that voters are, are being asked to 
get the men in black stick and erase their memory as soon as basketball is played again is ridiculous. Like, why are we saying two-thirds of the season counts, but we're not going to count the most important part of the season, really a period where an executive can take it to the next level. We're, we're going to act like that doesn't count because there are like a couple teams at home who, who aren't being in the running. Newsflash. None you didn't matter. forget about making the playoffs. If you didn't make the bubble, if you weren't even within striking distance of the playoffs with a third of the games left or what really now what's eight games left you were not going to win any awards. You weren't going to win, certainly, MVP. You probably weren't going to win Sixth Man of the Year. You certainly weren't going to win Coach of the Year or Executive of the Year. So, like, who are we helping? If Zion goes off in the bubble for an average is 35 and takes the, the Pelicans up a couple spots in the playoff rankings, we're just going to pretend like that does, doesn't happen? Or, on, on the flip side, if Giannis with no equipment to train at his house for four months is just a shell of his former self. Are we still just going to give him the MVP? Uh, so I, I don't know. It, it, I, one, I don't think any of the voters are actually going to listen to this advice. They're just going to vote who they think should win the award. But two, it's just such a dumb rule. Sometimes we have rules for the sake of having rules when they don't really serve anyone. This is a classic example. Dude, uh, I'm totally with you. I, like, I don't think that really any of the awards were up for grabs. And actually, if I care about it from a who do I want to win in this market, I would say that Nick Nurse probably benefits more than anybody else in the bubble who has already kind of secured an award because the Raptors have that really, really difficult schedule. And there's at least a scenario here where, you know, they go three and five and the Grizzlies just absolutely tear it up and people start looking at their ballots a little bit differently and say, well, you know, maybe the Raptors didn't have that strongest schedule and then they finally play some good teams and blah, 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 blah. And maybe we give coach of the year to somebody else. So maybe Billy Donovan gets it. Who knows that I, I can at least see the, the path for that. I couldn't really see it for anybody else because most of the awards were pretty well sealed up the rest of the way. But the reason I hate it the most is because you're trusting NBA commentators and broadcasters and writers to come up with this stuff anyways. Like, why are we not letting people have the trust of understanding? Why would you say to someone like Zach Lowe, for example, hey, we don't trust you to balance this and weight this properly, where you look at what happened in the regular season, you have a much larger sample size, you've been documenting this all year long, but now we just don't think you're smart enough to be able to evaluate what you're going to see in eight games and apply it to the rest of the regular season? Okay, like why? Why are you taking the power out of their hands? Why are you taking away discussions from fans too? Because last I checked, it's actually really fun to debate who the MVP should be. It's actually really fun to discuss whether or not if Zion does put together the eight game sample that we all think he can have and Jaw maybe struggles a little bit. I don't think he would. I would never say that about my son, Jaw Morant. But if in a weird alternate reality, something happened to him, uh, wouldn't it be fun to have those discussions? I just don't understand why you would want to take ammunition from your fan base when it comes to the way that they want to discuss the league and those regular season games. And how, yeah, dude, maybe it would have put a little bit more pressure on, say, LeBron or Giannis to play an extra game down the stretch or play a few more minutes in one of these regular season games if they actually think that somebody might be chasing their MVP award. I don't know. It would have been fun. And for whatever reason, the NBA kind of blew that one. There's been only a couple of little missteps, I think, by the league so far coming back. 
The one was the the jerseys that we've discussed in, in a prior episode and has been discussed by players around the NBA, Norm Powell most recently. But this one just seemed like an obvious layup to leave it alone, and they they just couldn't help themselves. They had to touch on it. Yeah, I I, I have nothing to add. I agree. <laughs> well, I, let me I, just. It's, I mean, it's not a topic I should be angry about, but it angers me for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> you know what though? That's a good sign. That's a good sign that we're allowed to be like sports angry about stuff. That means that sports are very close, that they're around the corner. Um, if you love this podcast, you can leave a review. You can subscribe. You can do all of those kind things. Uh, you can share it on social media. Uh, you can let me know if $50 is too much to be spending on a candle or if, if I'm a sucker for not spending $50 on a candle. I still can't believe Michael betrayed me like that. I thought you were going to be more of the common man, Michael. You stabbed me in the back. You made me seem like a scumbag from my dryer sheet idea. I was just trying to offer a little tip out there to you know the people who are not living high on the hog. Uh, but it is what it is. Awful um, take, JD. <laughs> yeah, just, okay. I can just see you instead of washing your hands, rubbing yeah. dryer sheets on your body yeah. or something, buddy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. What are you doing there, JD? Yeah. Listen. Yeah. Uh, you got to You got to do what you got to do, man. That's that's what you say. Uh, I love candles too, by the way. So I'm on yeah. the Donovan. I'm on, I'm with Big Donnie Three on this one. Yeah. Big Donnie Three's candles company. Honestly, I might start a candle company. I gotta I gotta get in on this. I gotta get it on the ground floor of candles being hot. Um, fun episode. Uh, we'll catch you guys next week. It's Free Association, Sportsnet Podcast Network. See ya.